Hello and welcome to the CamCycle podcast, talking about transport cycling from the UK's leading cycling city. I'm Hester Wells. And I'm Al Storer. Uh, this episode we're talking about student cycling because Cambridge is known for its cycling and also for its uh, students. They make up a large proportion of the population of the city and obviously a lot of them do cycle. So we'll be coming back to that topic in a moment after our regular feature, What Have You Seen While Cycling This Week? Whilst cycling to work, I've seen quite often a guy riding the other way wearing a kilt, taking his daughter to nursery, but he cycles in all weathers in a kilt. I'm not sure if he's Scottish, but uh, but good on him. Regular kilt wearing. Regular yeah. kilt wearing. Mm-hmm. Not 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 for occasions. Just it seems to be just what he does. Okay, fair enough. I feel that I haven't actually done very much interesting cycling at all this month. I've been away for a bit, I've been away a few weekends, and almost all of my cycling has been to work. So it's just been Science Park and Busway and the road I live on, and that's more or less it. I don't think I've even been south of the river more than once, um, which isn't helped by a new train station. So I have been to the train station a few times, but uh, that's more or less the same route as I take to work. So um, I was cycling on the busway behind a group of about eight teenage boys. And they were sort of spreading out across the whole path, talking, as far as I'm concerned, incomprehensible gibberish to each other. And I was quite happy to cycle slowly behind them. I was in no hurry. But eventually one of them did notice I was there. And there was a sudden scrabbling and a sort of, oh, somebody's behind us. Better move out the way. At which point everyone moved in different directions. And uh, They always do. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was a nice attempt, uh, but didn't really uh, result in any net gain. And then they turned off anyway. <laughs> Okay, talking about slightly older students, the university students. So Cambridge has two universities, uh, Anglia Ruskin University and Cambridge University. And I think together the, the makes up about a fifth of the population of Cambridge City. A significant population which is obviously variable with term time, although uh, students do also stay um, in the holidays, especially if they've got private rented accommodation. And a lot of the postgrads will be stay year-round in Cambridge. Uh, they, they, they don't necessarily follow the terms anyway. Yeah. But nevertheless, there will be a, an influx of lots of very new students and potentially new cyclists uh, into Cambridge uh, in the next uh, week. So uh, we're going to be talking about um, what uh, might be useful to know if you're somebody who hasn't cycled for transport uh, regularly. I, mean, I, th- I think we're assuming here that, uh, that these students have probably learned to cycle at some point in their life. You know, they've pr- probably learned whilst they've been a, been a kid, but maybe just because other, other towns and cities around, uh, around Britain and around uh, the rest of the world aren't as friendly for cycling, probably haven't done that much as far as uh, cycling just to get places, uh, which is a different thing. And also the volume uh, in which uh, people cycle in Cambridge, that's one of the things, even if you've cycled elsewhere, um, it's slightly different cycling in a huge crowd of the sort that you get um, going to lectures and things when everyone is starting at the same time and and going the same way. Yeah, yeah. But bicycle rush hour is a thing to behold in Cambridge that uh, takes, takes visitors by surprise. I think the first thing I'd probably say is it's not actually compulsory to cycle. Um, 
so a lot of students um, don't cycle depending on where your uh, college or university is and where your lectures are your whole world might be about a mile square um, which is for most people perfectly walkable um, I certainly didn't start cycling until three years after I graduated because it just wasn't covering the kind of distances that really justified it. Now some people are happy to cycle short distances, um, others will get a bike and then it will sit rusting in a shed and they'll use it about twice a term. Um, so, um, And also walking um, can be quite sociable, I mean cycling can be sociable as well but only if there's the infrastructure to, to enable it which actually Cambridge still doesn't have that much of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also just if if you've got a bike but your friends don't, then uh, then yeah. then it's not that social to cycle. Uh, so if, if everyone else is walking, then there's a social pressure to walk. Equally, if everyone else is cycling, then you might feel a bit left out and want to get on your bike yourself. Yeah. So there are there are some colleges like Girton which are a bit uh, further out and they're more likely to to cycle. But certainly not all students um, cycle, and um, it's worth considering if uh, you'll actually need to, or you can try without a bike and see if. Uh, you need one later so I, I wouldn't not that I want to uh, uh, discourage people from cycling just it's potentially an expense you might find you don't need yes yeah and now that we've got uh, one bike share uh, company in Cambridge and others potentially coming to the city that's also an option that uh, I think uh, awful certainly are, one of their ideas is to target students who not sure if they want to buy a bike yet but but might want to use one occasionally. So. Yeah, or yeah, might have uh, occasional events on the other side of the city, but day to day. Yeah. Um, yeah, that could be useful. So, what is the first piece of advice uh, about buying a bike? So, one thing to do is if you're on a budget, go for a second hand bike. There's quite a few second hand bike shops in Cambridge. My biggest bit of advice would be not to buy a really cheap brand new bike. Uh, if if a brand new bike is under about £150, you're running, you quite quickly run into problems because it's so cheap. Mainly because the parts are very cheap. So if something goes wrong or you want to service it and want to replace some of the parts, you'll suddenly find that replacement parts cost almost as much as you uh, cost say half as much as your bike to, to replace them there's a false economy that goes on with really cheap bikes because you can't actually buy the same parts that they use to make the bikes and I suppose one of the other things is those cheap bikes are often uh, mountain bikes which aren't really yeah they're, they're, they're not the, the right type of bike for what you need uh, which is uh, some sort of town bike something more upright um, doesn't obviously tread is not an issue yeah um, and uh, I suppose you're getting into it accessories here but um, possibly a, a pannier rack mudguards all of that kind of thing uh, yeah I, I, mean, I think we'd recommend yeah what you say a, a town type bike uh, if it's just for transport around Cambridge because you don't need some you don't need a, a racing bike uh, you're not going that fast. You don't need a, a mountain bike type thing because especially things like suspension, that's another thing to break down and go wrong. And you're just losing power on a 
Yeah. Flat surface. So a nice town bike is likely to be a much simpler bike and therefore has less things to go wrong on it. Uh, I suppose one thing to watch out for with second-hand bikes is uh, whether they're stolen or not. Um, yeah, uh, I think if you go to a reputable second-hand shop, that's not going. That's going to be much less of a problem than getting them off Gum Gumtree. Or yeah, I think I think Gumtree is a little bit notorious for 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 uh, fencing uh, stolen bikes. Yeah. I must admit, my first bike was one of those kind of hundred quid. Yeah. Uh, ones and it lasted me about a year. Although th the one thing I'd say in favour of it is that by the end of that year, I was convinced that I wanted a bike and I wanted to spend more money on it. Yeah, I, th I think that that that's another way of looking at it. I suppose is that a really cheap bike can be a good entry point, but equally, if it's if it goes wrong quickly and costs a lot to repair, that might put you off. And a yeah, good second hand would be better than yeah, cheap new. Obviously, in order to cycle, you need a bike. Uh, you almost certainly need lights because it's autumn and um, any sort of post-lecture evening um, cycling is going to legally require you to have lights. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing that the Cambridge Police will do their usual October crackdown on on uh, cyclists without lights that they, they, they've run for a few years. They... They do it around when the clocks change uh, because they know that they can catch the most people that way. Although they are a little bit progressive, hopefully they'll they'll do the same scheme that they've done for the past few years where they, uh, for the same amount as the fine, or for, for less than the, the the cost of the fine, they will basically sell you a set of lights. Uh, which, the lights instead of tickets yes, scheme. Yes, yeah. Um, which is at least a progressive way of, uh, of policing. And, and it does solve the problem which is people not having lights yeah although less so if lights have been nicked or yes. you just forgot to use them that day but they need to end up with a second uh, set of lights or yeah. you pay the fine yes um, and you are breaking the law if you're cycling yeah. without lights okay. in hours of darkness and again around cambridge you don't need a particularly expensive set of lights you're on if you're only going to be cycling around town you only really need a set that meet the legal minimum requirements for for brightness you don't need a super bright set because you're riding along street lit streets all the time yeah that more lights for being seen than lights for seeing with yeah although it's worth noting some of the commons <coughs> are unlit yeah um and there and since there are cows and pedestrians and other things uh, yeah if you're using any of those routes you do want something which actually illuminates the route and isn't just something that other people can see you by. Yeah. Uh, but again, students aren't necessarily going to be travelling along those. No, they're, they're, they're not so much in the, the student areas of the city. Um, normally, I'd um, advise dynamo lights are great because you don't need to remember to put them on and off the bike. They don't run out of battery, all of that kind of stuff. But they are quite expensive as a uh, uh, as a solution. You know, dynamo lights are great, but. Uh, startup costs are high. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're you you're looking at a slightly more expensive bike if you're you're buying one with them, or they're really quite expensive to to fit onto an existing bike. But yeah, no, they 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 are obviously a great idea for for just reliability and not ever having to worry about the lights. 
apart from anything, they're also usually bolted on rather than uh, so not as easy to remove. So. Yes, that's one thing. If you leave your lights on your bike, they will get stolen eventually. <laughs> Probably quite quickly. <laughs> so um, I guess it's, uh, it's become more popular to have the sort of um, rubberized things, which are quite easy to take on and off, and don't require you to have a, a anything mounted on the bike. Yeah. Um, The other required piece of kit is going to be some kind of lock, otherwise, as for the lights, you will very quickly find you don't have a bike at all in Cambridge. Yeah. Cambridge is, unfortunately, as well as being the cycling capital of Britain, it is the cycle theft capital of Britain, uh, which is mainly just down to the volume of bikes here. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, one of those shocking headlines every year in the Cambridge news place with most bikes has most cycle theft. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, to, to such an extent that it is the leading crime, I think, in the city, which tells you two things about Cambridge. <laughs> One, that we've got a lot of bikes, and two, it's quite a safe city. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, having your bike stolen is quite annoying and expensive. So uh, yeah, you will need um, locks of some sort. Um, so there's a temptation for people who are new to um, cycling to get very cheap locks. Um, yeah, but the problem with cheap locks is that they can be very, very quickly cut through with just a set of uh, bolt cutters. Uh, you want, but a good D-lock is now only about £30. Uh, they, there's a scheme called Sold Secure that rates locks if you get one that's gold that's marked as sold secure gold that's that's the level that if you've got bike insurance the insurers want you to have and i think you can pick up one of those for less than 30 pounds these days so it's that's all you need to really budget for that um yeah the the other thing is the way you lock your bike and what you like lock it to so uh you sometimes uh, yeah, if your very good lock is uh, attached to something that's easier to cut through than the lock is, then that will get cut through instead. So, uh, yeah, no uh, attaching it to plastic drain pipes and uh, yeah, and you also uh, want it to go through the frame of the bike because if you're just attaching the wheel to the bike stand, then you'll come back and find you have a, a securely attached wheel and you don't have the rest of the bike, especially yeah. if they're uh, quick-release wheels. And especially if it's the front wheel. If, if it's the, the back wheel and you've got, especially with an internal gear hub and things like that, it's much harder for the thief to remove it if it's just locked by the wheel, but still wouldn't recommend it. Lock, lock the frame. And if you can, if you can get it through that bit of the rear triangle where it, it locks the frame and the back wheel, um, that's uh, better again. Um, they start, can still take the, the front wheel, so I think David had that once to come back to find his, his frame was there and the wheels were not, but wheels are cheaper to replace. Yes, yeah, they're, they're not as much as a full bike. You can carry two locks. It's not something I bother to do unless um, I'm leaving it somewhere I consider particularly risky or I'm leaving it for... An extended period of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that the, the police recommend two locks, but yeah. uh, and you know, for for good reasons because it's so easy to take wheels off bikes. Yeah. But it's not necessarily practical 
Um, yeah. I th- think the, the police bit also includes the recommendation if you've got two locks to have two different types of lock because that requires two different types of tools to break which kind of makes sense yeah. but but yeah if I'm just going into town to shop or something like that or even just park at the station the railway station for a day or so I only use one lock I I, 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 I don't I don't go with the the, the two lock approach it really depends on your own sort of um, willingness to accept yeah losing wheel and um, how expensive the bike is if, yeah. if it's a 50 quid second hand bike then um, yeah um, that's an issue uh, the other thing you can get is um, the ones which are just sort of additional loops of cable so you're still securing it with the one lock but you can get the cable through both wheels yeah um, so you only need to lock through, uh, cut through one lock if you're trying to escape it, but all the bits are attached to it. Yeah. Um, you can also get additional locks for saddles and things if you've got like an expensive Brooks saddle, but I don't think that. <laughs> um, the other thing is, yeah, if you do lock the bike to something, it can be tempting to lock it to itself, especially if there isn't sufficient cycle parking, which is quite common in Cambridge, but people will can come along and just lift up the bike and they'll worry about the lock later. Yeah, uh, that's quite a common uh, mode of theft is, yeah, picking up bikes aren't secured or anything because it means that they can attack the lock in uh, the comfort of their own workshop with no no one watching, no one caring. Or uh, or the uh, attaching it to a post which is really short so you could just lift the bike up over it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. but the other thing to, to mention, uh, not theft related, but um, to lock your bike so it's not obstructing a pavement because there are a lot of narrow pavements in Cambridge and um, you don't want to make them unusable by people in wheelchairs or with prams. Yeah, yeah, I think, that, I think that's quite important around Cambridge. Uh, we don't want to make life worse for pedestrians. Well, whilst we're on accessories, uh, calling back to our episode on rain, I highly recommend that you make sure that your bike's got full-length mudguards. I think we went through all that in the in the rain episode, but if you're riding around town, there's there's no reason not to have full-length mudguards, really. Uh, but yes, listen to our episode mm-hmm. on, on on cycling in the rain for more tips on. Uh, Kitty out your bike and kitty out yourself for rain. I think uh, beyond bike lock and lights, that that's sort of minimum Mi- uh, minimum requirement. Yeah, requirement. Everything after that is um, so. There's um, luggage carrying. So there is. Um, uh, to be honest, if if money. Um, is an issue, which it might be for a lot of students. A backpack will do for a while. Um, yeah, yeah. I, especially in the winter, it's less of an issue. Uh, the, the the main problem that I've found with backpacks is sweaty back. But through through late autumn and winter, that's that's not going to be such a big problem because it's cold. Although I, I do find it, I do find it more uncomfortable now. I'm used to using panniers all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, cycling with a backpack isn't ideal, but it will it will yeah. do. It works. Yeah, 
and for for small smaller items, uh, a basket on the handlebars is obviously a very very useful way of carrying things. It's often a bit cheaper than uh, pannier, uh, than a pannier rack and panniers, so so that's not to be be overlooked. Uh, yeah, pannier on the back is probably the best solution, but but can be a little bit more expensive, especially good pannier bags are can be quite expensive. Uh, certainly ones that are waterproof, but yeah, I mean you can get cheap pannier. Well, you'd still need the pannier rack, which is an additional expense. Yeah. You can get get cheap pannier bags on the basis that you just leave them on the bike, and they're cheap enough that if they get stolen, it doesn't matter, and yeah, uh, they'll probably get weathered quite quickly. Yeah, but you don't need to worry about them. You just leave them on the bike all the time. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I'm, I'm sure people would want to know about is um, high-vis clothing and helmet. You don't need them. <laughs> Which can be a controversial thing to say, but... Um... Uh, I suppose um, the issue is n neither of them are required by law. Yeah. Um, so obviously we encourage all cyclists to obey the law, but neither of those is actually required by the law. Yeah. Um, the evidence on how useful they are is... Shaky, especially with high vis, uh, the, there's very little evidence that it makes you any less likely to be hit by a driver. But the, the other thing is, we we say it's personal choice. Yeah. That um, we're not going to tell you don't wear a helmet or no, don't wear high vis no, no. if that's what makes you feel comfortable cycling. Obviously, yeah. we'd like you to enjoy cycling. But it, it's yeah noticeable in sort of the Netherlands, which is the safest place to cycle. Uh, no high-vis, helmets only really on uh, sports cyclists. Yeah, so, so so yeah, in the Netherlands it's common for people on road bikes in full light cricket to be wearing helmets, or if they're off-road on a mountain bike, they'd probably wear a helmet. But the but, same people are riding town bikes around uh, every day, no helmet. Yeah, and, and we are talking about yeah cycling around in the middle of a city, um, not at high speed, uh, on well-lit routes. Yeah, you know, you're, the, the risk of having an accident where a helmet would actually be of help is, is low. So one of the particular things about um, Cambridge is that Central Town has got um, uh, a lot of uh, one-way streets and it's, uh, there are routes that you can walk or cycle but you can't drive and so um, Cambridge Cycling Campaign produces uh, maps which are sort of cycle specific they show you where you can and can't go on a bike yeah and there can be that's not necessarily the same way that you travel by car so there one-way streets for example can have exemptions for cycling uh, more and more, more streets in Cambridge uh, thanks to our campaigning uh, but equally it's important that where there are one-way streets where there aren't exceptions that people know about them and don't cycle down the wrong way and yeah. particularly some of those streets are still in the very centre of Cambridge. Yeah, uh, uh, the, the fact that I think the, the ones that are least likely to get two-way cycling on them perhaps are in the centre of Cambridge right past uh, several of the, the, the colleges. Um, the other thing is, uh, yeah, just generally finding a way about on, on bike is different from walking and from uh, driving, there are things like apps like Cycle Streets that will help you plot a route. Yeah, um, yeah. So Cycle Streets is a uh, 
it's based on OpenStreetMap and developed by members of CamCycle uh, as a specific uh, cycling routing app uh, system. And yeah, things like Google Maps are not necessarily up to date or accurate when it comes to cycling routes. No, they 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 don't necessarily have all the the latest uh, cycle information in them. They're they're not kept as uh, <coughs> kept as uh, edited well. Okay, so those are our sort of basic tips for people who are relatively new to regular transport cycling. Yeah. CamCycle has just published a new edition of its Welcome to Cycling leaflet aimed at students and uh, has been distributed in the past couple of days to colleges around the uh, around the city and we'll have a copy of it on our website, I think. Yes. For, uh, for, for, for reference. Uh, it's packed with great information if you want to, to see more and uh, obviously we've got lots of links to other resources on our website. So. Yeah, resources like uh, legal uh, requirements for lights on bikes and yeah. maps of the town centre with where you can and can't cycle, some basic information on, on signs and what they mean, Yeah, uh, which uh, can be relevant to students who don't necessarily drive yet, but also uh, students coming from other countries where the signage is different. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's all available on our website, um, www.chemcycle.org.uk. This has been a podcast from Cambridge Cycling Campaign, a charity based in Cambridge, UK. You can find us online at camcycle.org.uk, on Twitter as at camcycle, and on Facebook. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please rate us and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get the podcast from. Thank you very much. Thanks.